Welcome to the Fedora Podcast, a proud member of the Destination Linux Network. This is Season 2, Episode 2. This is the podcast here to teach you about how the Fedora community works with news, interviews, and more. I'm your host, Grayson, and today I'm joined by Wim Tamens, who is here to talk about Pipewire. We're also going to speak with Alexandra Fedorova about the new annual Fedora Contributor Survey. Stay tuned for that. You're listening to the Fedora Podcast, a proud member of the Destination Linux Network. Hi, Wim. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. So before we get into Pipewire and the technical stuff, who are you personally, and how did you get involved in Fedora? Uh, I'm a Belgian programmer. Um, I started programming when I was young on Commodore 64 and things like that. Uh, I co-founded GStreamer back in the day in 99 as a, a hobby. I installed Fedora. Well, Fedora was still Red Hat back then on Amiga 500. Uh, it was my first distro, my first Linux distro. Um, but after that, I ran uh, Debian and Ubuntu. But then when I started working for Red Hat eight years ago, I switched back to Fedora. And I'm uh, very happy with that. So from all of the GStreamer uh, experience, I uh, started developing Pipewire four years ago. And now we're here. You mentioned that you work with the audio system in Fedora. How does it work right now in Fedora 33 with Ulsa and Pulse Audio and Jack? How does that all work right now? Yeah, so at the lowest levels, you have the the kernel, uh, the Linux kernel, and it has drivers which are provided by the Ulsa project. So Ulsa is two parts, basically, the kernel drivers, and also it has um, a library that applications can use. So this library is rather big. It's, it has a lot of functionality, um, such as plugins that can do mixing and all of these things. But um, it's all rather static. What happened basically is that also wasn't really able to implement all the features that you want from a modern desktop. And uh, people started looking at alternatives. Uh, for example, Pulse Audio was developed uh, with that, so as a bit more of a dynamic system to manage the also uh, hardware, but also implement like Bluetooth, which is not something also provides. Um, but all of the features that were like implemented as also plugins were moved basically to Pulse Audio. So what's left in also uh, that is interesting nowadays is basically only the the wrapper around the kernel driver. So Pulse Audio is a, is on top, sits on top of Alsa, implements all the routing, the mixing, the conversion of, of formats, the management of the volumes, loading and saving settings, uh, and all of that. It's kind of a, a lot of stuff around Alsa that you can't really implement. Uh, there's also Jack, uh, which is an alternative to Pulse Audio, so to say, uh, but only for professional users. Um, so it has a completely different set of goals uh, by design. 
Like for example, it is tuned to be super low latency. It is tuned to be uh, very inflexible and static. Um, so you need to configure it. It's it's rather hard to configure. And on the default install of Fedora, um, it doesn't play nice with anything else. You have to touch config files to make it work. Um, so you can basically make Jack and Pulse Audio somewhat interoperate. Uh, people do that. There are um, Fedora spins that do this and set this up properly for you. Um, but the Jack ecosystem and together with the Jack server is, is very rich. There's a lot of professional apps um, like digital audio workstations and tools to, to make filters and chains and synthesizers and all of these things. But it's very hard to run these on a stock Fedora. So that's the current situation in Fedora 33. Um, uh, three different systems, but basically um, only one Pulse Audio that manages all the audio. That's a bit of a complicated pile of audio systems. What or what is Pipewire in comparison to that combination? So Pipewire is basically just a, a replacement for the two alternatives that we had, like Pulse Audio and Jack, um, but it is structured in a different way. And so it can transfer anything multimedia related between devices and applications. That means images, textures, samples, MIDI, all of that stuff. As long as it is bytes, it can be sent between uh, applications. It's different from Dbus, for example, that uh, applications talk to each other, basically. It's, it's more structured as a graph, as a multimedia graph. Um, and it is optimized for performance. So this small little layer, it doesn't do very much. Uh, it's called Pipewire. And on top of that, you can implement things like um, what Pulse Audio does, but also what Jack does. So you can re-implement these, uh, these existing audio servers on top of Pipewire. So the advantage is then you have one common layer for all of the audio services, and they can all talk to each other, interoperate, and it becomes one nice little audio uh, experience. So you have the Pipewire layer itself, the routing of the media, and on top of that, we run a media session manager. So this is something that's built in in Pulse Audio, but it's now abstracted, it's taken out of it, and it runs as a separate entity, which allows us to have different behavior depending on where you're running, and you can customize it more. Yep. So there's also a Pulse Audio replacement server that runs on top of Pipewire. It's very small. A relatively small daemon that translate Pulse Audio protocol to Pipewire protocol. There's also a Jack replacement library that um, makes Jack apps run directly on top of Pipewire. So once we update to Fedora 34, what benefits will the average user and normal people using Workstation see from Pipewire? So hopefully... First of all, there will be no change. So <clears throat> all of the applications that used to run should still run. And so we're, it's supposed to be a drop-in replacement. So the Pulse Audio server that is currently running is replaced by a smaller uh, server that talks to Pipewire. Um, 
the session manager, which was basically already running in Fedora 33 to do the screen sharing and, and stuff like that, is now also enabled for audio. So it will also manage the audio device. The actual change um, is the, the Pulse Audio replacement server. So basically all the applications, they still are the same. Uh, they do their audio stuff and they, they have no idea that they're talking to a different demon than uh, Pulse Audio. So, um, so yeah, but realistically, um, some people will have less issues. So there, there were issues with, with uh, Pulse Audio where it didn't work so well on some hardware. Other people will have new issues on, on hardware that used to work with Pulse Audio but doesn't work so well with Pipewire. Um, so we need to figure out what's going on and how to make everybody happy. Um, so for running things like games, uh, the, the, the sentiment seems to be that uh, it's less latency. The, it, there is less latency between uh, the movements that you do in the game and the sound that comes out of it. Um, other than that, it should all work like it was like like it did before, hopefully. Uh, if there are bugs, then we need to fix them. That would be the benefits for normal people. What about people who would normally be running Jack, people who run studios and have big mixers and all that? What benefits will they see from switching to Pipewire? So currently, um, the, the Jack... Uh, parts are enabled, but are not 100% feature complete. So there's two features missing. So if you are running a, like um, a professional studio and all of that, um, you might you may or may not be able to switch right away. Um, so, well, first of all, for a lot of pro audio users that are not super hardcore, maybe or um, they will be able to access a lot of new apps that were traditionally difficult to run, tools like Carla to manually route audio, to add plugins to your audio thing. So like for podcasting and things like that, it becomes uh, a much more out of the box experience. Um, so of course, if you are using Jack tools, you will see immediately that things are much more integrated in the rest of the desktop. It's like, like the control panels where you can configure uh, volumes and stuff for devices. It's all transferred uh, to Jack apps. And, and all of the like uh, normal Pulse Audio apps, they are part of your Jack apps now too. So it opens a lot of new possibilities, which we don't exactly have explored all. Uh, yet, so but I think the the biggest benefit now is that uh, many pro audio users will not have to mess around with Jack anymore, uh, and will be able to just run their applications out of the box. The more demanding uh, users, they may or may not have to wait until all of the last features are implemented, uh, like latency reporting and freewheeling. Lots of people who run Jack are going to use something that makes it easier for them, like Fedora Jam or Ubuntu Studio, where it's already set up. With the ease of use of Pipewire and its abilities to compete with Jack, will things like Ubuntu Studio, Fedora Jam be necessary, or could you just go straight to Workstation and use Pipewire? 
Well, short term, uh, these distros are still needed. Um, so like I said, not all Fedjack features are supported. So if you go to an Ubuntu studio or like Fedora Jam, you get um, a completely integrated solution with all of the apps there, with the, the Pulse Audio things tuned, with the kernel tuned for pro audio use cases. So this currently is not, not available in stock Fedora. Um, so short term, these things are, are definitely still useful. Um, long term, we don't know, of course, how much of these things we can all transfer to stock Fedora, yeah. like the, the tuning of the, of the of the kernel and all of that. So difficult to say. So short term, yes, uh, still needed. You've talked about different awesome benefits of Pipewire, like being able to use pro audio tools like Carla or um, the low latency options. If I'm running Fedora 33 and I do the normal upgrade path to 34, Will this all be enabled automatically for me, or do I have to do any fiddling with it? It should all be automatically enabled for you. So the, the Pulse Audio should be replaced by Pipewire, the Pipewire implementation, and the audio path should be enabled. So it should all run uh, automatically on top of Pipewire. Switching tracks from audio, there's a slightly less talked about subject, which is Pipewire with video. What can Pipewire do with video? Yeah, so lots of potential, but for now, uh, it's still like Fedora 33. Uh, we use it for screen sharing. Um, so it's basically the only way to get uh, textures from Wayland, the compositor, into applications such as browsers. Uh, for screen sharing and, and screen recording. Um, so there, there is also uh, a video processing part in Pipewire, but we haven't really worked on that yet. Uh, we, it's not really... Uh, like you also need the tools to get this working. Um, video filters and all of that, we have not tried to do any of these things. So what we did improve for the video part was um, using the MA buff between the compositor and the clients so that you can uh, avoid some memory copies. So like for screen sharing in, in OBS Studio, for example, should all be the MA buff zero copy, uh, highest possible performance. So one of the things is to improve the video processing pipelines as well, but yeah. We've been focusing on audio right now, so it's, it's a bit on the back burner. But those features will be coming in a later Fedora release. Uh, yes, yes, definitely, yes. It's yeah, it's a uh, it's a lot of work. There's a lot. There is actually no tooling whatsoever for um, any of the video processing. So like GUI tools to edit the processing graphs don't exist. Uh, we all have to build that from scratch. You mentioned screen sharing and video processing on Wayland. How is Pipewire working alongside Flatpak and Wayland to create a more secure and stable um, system for Linux apps? Yeah, so like I said, it's the only way to get um, screen content out of Wayland. 
So clients cannot directly get screen content at all uh, under Wayland. So we go through to a portal, the portal, uh, which is a DBus uh, API um, that gives you access to exactly the screen content that you that you want and with all the permissions that are asked. And it's not like some application can just start grabbing some data from the screen and share it with everybody on the internet. So it's all uh, pretty much secured that way. Uh, and there's a secure path between the compositor and the application itself. You can't really get in between that. Um, so for like uh, Flatpaks applications, um, for example, for Pulse Audio apps that are running in a Flatpak, if they go to the Pipewire Pulse Audio implementation, they will be limited in what they can do. For example, in Fedora right now, so they won't be able to mess with the system volumes and things like that, or with like things from other applications. So there is a little a limited security uh, there, um, which you didn't have with Pulse Audio. And for example, also the Jack apps, they are not flat packable at all um, using real Jack. So we are transporting them to Pipewire Jack API, which are which can be bundled in, in Flatpaks then. So hopefully some of the Jack apps will be come available as Flatpaks and uh, we get much more access to that ecosystem as well. So we will continue integration with Portal. So there, there's currently no audio support in the Portal, um, but we will be implementing that. So like um, you will get pop-ups or, or like, um, like you have to grant permissions to applications when they try to use the, the microphone these days, which we currently don't have. So, yeah, so that is that is things that we can now start think about and start to implement. Where outside of Fedora is Pipewire being used currently? Or is it mainly being rolled out in Fedora? Yeah, well, we have other bleeding edge distros that are uh, eager to experiment with all these things. Like you, you can run this on Arch and Gentoo. So one of the, the earliest adopters were these rolling releases that just keep on testing the, the Git snapshots. So um, I'm, I'm not really aware of if it's the default or not in those distros and how these things work. Um, but there's a, a very large community of people uh, using that. It's part of uh, automotive grade Linux, which is a, a distro aimed for uh, cars. So um, it's the, the default in, uh, routing system for audio and video uh, in that uh, distro. So it's been worked on. There is a, there from that project, there's also a new uh, session manager that we're going to try to implement in Fedora in later versions, which is called Wire Plumber, um, which is like script, Lua scripts to like uh, make stuff happen in your audio server. It's all very exciting what we can do with these things. But, uh, yeah. Interesting. I didn't know that it was used in cars now, but th that's really cool to think about. I have another question about Pipewire, which is, what is PWCAT and its suite of tools, and what are they for? 
So, um, yeah. So if you are doing an audio server, you need to be able to play back samples and record samples. So we did have the emulation layer for Pulse Audio, and you can actually use the Pulse Audio tools. Uh, but we also implemented native tools that are basically the equivalent of all the Pulse Audio tools uh, to, to record from a device to playback samples uh, and things like that. So these things get evolved as we go because there's also a lot of jack tools that we're now making replacements for, like PW Link, which is a new one. Um, and there's also a couple of modules that we're making tools of, like PW Loopback to, to route the, the capture from a microphone directly to the speakers. Um, and things like that. So I think it's kind of like um, we also have PC. PWCLI, which is like a tool to, to manipulate objects in the graph. So with all these tools, we don't really know exactly where we're going with, but you have to, instead of writing code, you can use these to do a lot of stuff uh, and like, like make virtual devices now with PB loopback. And yeah, so um, yeah, it's, it's to avoid writing code and basically to give a lot of options for Playing around with parts. It's both debugging tools and actual useful tools. Thank you, Wim. Thank you. And now I'm joined by Alexandra Fedorova. She's here to talk about the annual Fedora Contributor Survey. Hi, Alexandra. Hi there. Before we go into talking about the Contributor Survey, who are you and how are you involved in Fedora? That's a long story. <laughs> but in short, I'm Alexandra Fedorova. I work in Red Hat. I work on continuous integration topics in Fedora, CentOS, Stream, and Red Hat Enterprise Linux, but I actually was a Fedora contributor long before I joined Red Hat. I was Fedora contributor for 10 years before um, joining, and uh, I was mostly involved in uh, Russian Fedora community, and uh, I was a Fedora Russian, uh, Russian Fedora ambassador, and uh, if you were at POSDEM, for example, you may know me from uh, like Fosdem booth of Fedora back they, back when this was a thing. I participated, I think, mostly in, in five last Fosdems uh, and, and uh, worked there. But uh, I'm involved in other areas of the project now. You've proposed the idea of something called the Fedora Contributor Survey, which has now gone from an idea to a reality. What is the Fedora Contributor Survey, and where did you get the idea for it? So I need to clarify first that um, Fedora survey is not a new idea. It actually was in discussion. I think the ticket number one in Fedora console bug tracker is actually talking about per periodic user and contributor surveys. So it's like a conversation was going over six years. But uh, for me personally, the trigger to uh, start been involved in this topic and to move forward with this was the conversation we, uh, about um, 
default editor for Fedora, which I was following on Fedora mailing list. And uh, when I was reading uh, the discussion, I was thinking that it's interesting to see different opinions and different people like uh, highlighting uh, pros and cons of a change. But in fact, we don't have any reasonable source of data of, to make such decisions and to talk really about which uh, applications are more used, which are uh, preferred by the community, by the users, and, and so on. So we only have like anecdotal references, like I know person who uses Emacs, for example, or I know person who uses BIM, but we don't know how many, we don't know how often, and we have um, no way to reason about it uh, and uh, make decisions in Fedora based on data rather than feelings and expectations so and stereotypes maybe so this is where um, it was a triggering moment for me to go and actually think about the ways how we can learn about the fedora users fedora contributors their choices their uh, preferences in the applications and services we have in fedora has this sort of survey ever been done in fedora before the survey, uh, exactly the Fedora contributor survey, wasn't. Uh, we haven't run uh, anything like this in Fedora. I think. I mean, I'm not in Fedora from the very beginning, so maybe <laughs> I don't have the full information. But uh, as, as I mentioned, the uh, and also like discussion to run the survey itself is uh, six years old, but we only finally got there and and uh, and ran it. But we did uh, run some uh, different types of surveys uh, in the last year and previous year, which was uh, targeting more uh, the ambassadors, the outreach, and uh, different areas. But for the contributor survey, this is the first one. So with that in mind of what the purpose of this data is, who are you hoping will respond to it? New people or veteran users or coders and contributors? Are there any specific groups you'd like to get data from? So uh, the question which, which I mentioned as a trigger can be actually uh, asked in a very wide range of, of different audiences. And uh, in all of these audiences, it will be an interesting topic to discuss. But uh, in uh, when we were developing the idea further, we understood that like, uh, we don't try to learn everything about everyone at the, sa at the same time and uh, at the first try. So we scope down the survey a bit so we can more, make it more effective and we can learn as we go. So in this particular edition of the survey, we are focusing on the contributors. It doesn't mean just package maintainers. It means contributors of any kind. If you're contributing to testing, if you're contributing to infrastructure, uh, contributing via support channels, or, or like uh, even filing bug reports, or contributing contributing via testing. So all sorts of like design and and so on. And uh, here we want to um, not just ask what do you use, but we also try to add like a second dimension to it and, and uh, try to uh, maybe uh, find the correlations between uh, the tools you use and, uh, for example, services you use or 
um, uh, roles uh, you have in a project. So is there a correlation between like two different parameters, not, not just the majority of people using Veeam, for example. No, the, uh, like, is there a correlation between Veeam users and users of uh, Firefox browser? Something like that. So, uh, and we are targeting contributors because we also want to know uh, the correlations with the uh, your participation in the Fedora project. So, um, again, what's your role? If you're a packager, do you still use uh, the same tooling? Uh, do you still use the same communication channels? Do you use uh, the same uh, news uh, channels and so on? I'm honestly uh, not sure this is uh, uh, this will give us uh, like some major insights in on the first run and on the first try, but this is just the initial attempt, and we will see how it works and uh, how it can be improved. Why should these contributors you're targeting want to take it? Are there any incentives, or is it purely a do you want to contribute to Fedora and give us more insights? The easy answer. Like if you contribute to that survey, you get a badge. So if you're a badge collector, please uh, join and get get one. Uh, the longer answer is, uh, I think it will be very helpful for Fedora project to be aware of its uh, contributor base. And uh, a, it is good for a contributor to actually tell the rest of the community that they exist and they have specific choices and they have specific preferences. This will give us the idea and, and maybe uh, possibilities to find new connections, to find new special interest groups, and to uh, uh, like direct Fedora project better towards uh, so that we address the needs and the preferences of the actual contributors of a project. So I think the main reason why you should take it is like you should be part of a project and you should uh, influence the direction of a project through in surveys one of the ways how you do that kind of just you you can share your opinion with the rest of the project in an easy way yeah for this survey what platform are you guys going to use to let people take it and why did you choose whatever you did Okay, so in this area, I'm not no expert. I uh, used the, uh, we have uh, people from Fedora infrastructure, for example, people who uh, already have experience in running surveys and we have uh, tools to do that. So we kindly ask them for help and, and they provided us the technical support on that side. So we are using the Lime survey platform it's a hosted service. We don't we don't uh, have a self-hosted instance. We use uh, the service provided to us. I think Lime Survey is a good alternative to a more how do you say data greedy services out there. So it's it's uh, more open and more uh, respectful to to the privacy of the participants and so on. So. We are using, this is not the first time we use Lime Survey as a platform. We already used it for some out, outreach uh, surveys for the Mindshare work. So again, uh, I didn't just want to uh, spend too much time on uh, developing of, of a special platform for this. So we went with the easy and more or less uh, option which fits uh, our needs and uh, 
will be enough for what we purpose. Very cool. And I'm looking at it now and it's open source on GitHub and everything. It's, it's a nice service. It's uh, open source and it tries to like f be in, in line with expectations of the open source community. Mm -hmm. When this survey closes and we get the results, are there any particular things you hope to clarify? Or do you expect that we'll have to wait for another year or so of doing this survey before we'll see any clear trends or patterns? So we definitely are going to do initial analysis and present data at Fedora Nest uh, in August. And uh, the uh, questions I have in mind is uh, basically the most interesting part for me would be correlation between Fedora uh, news and discussion channels and the Fedora roles. And uh, like we can maybe identify if we have clusters of people who are uh, contained in uh, one uh, communication media uh, medium or a way, way of communicating, which, which don't uh, exchange that much of information with another cluster of people. And then we maybe consider ways to address that. Or maybe we will see that we're equally distributed across all possible communication channels and this will be a great result for us. So. Uh, questions like this already can be answered from this survey, but also uh, keep in mind uh, it's indeed uh, just the first step in the uh, setting up a yearly tradition of uh, having this survey. So once we will do it a couple more times, we will learn better what we can and what we cannot do with this kind of survey. And I'm really looking for the feedback for the current survey because uh, yeah, this this survey right now is kind of meta survey. We want to have feedback on the survey itself so that we know how to improve next time. And the, this part of the uh, answers, the feedback part, is uh, like almost is as important as the answers to the questions of the survey itself. My next question was, who gets to see the results? But if you're presenting them at Nest, that's just about everyone. This is a bit tricky question. So uh, when you do a survey, you have different uh, way uh, to access the results. So the raw data of the survey will be available for the Fedora Console member members and uh, for the um, technical uh, administrator of the survey. And uh, this data, while we don't expect it to be sensitive or private, we also don't want uh, to uh, the risk of uh, people being identified by the answers they give or the comments they write and so on. So we need to, we will be accessing the raw data, but then we will kind of sanitize it and remove the um, things which may expose people uh, who provided the answers and feedback. And then we will be doing some aggregated analysis, and that analysis, of the, of the statistics we get from from the survey, then will be publicly available. So we we cannot publish the raw data as is uh, for everyone to see because we need this additional check uh, before we do we uh, make it public. And uh, yeah, Fedora console will be doing that, and uh, I think uh, I will be 
involved in, in that work uh, from from the beginning. Thank you for coming on the podcast and talking about this, Alexandra. Thank you for inviting me. It was a really nice experience. That was Alexandra Fedorova, a Red Hatter working on CI for REL. The last item in this show today is what I'm calling What's Going On Fedora? The first item is the Fedora elections are over. The council seat was won by Alexandra Fedorova, who we just talked to about the survey. The Fesco seats were won by Neil Gompa, Stephen Gallagher, Dan Cermak, and Mohan Bodu. I'm sorry, Mohan, I probably ruined your name. And the Mindshare seat was won by Ulnerup. In other news, the Red Hat desktop engineering team is hiring, and all of our official IRC channels have moved from Freenode to Libera.chat or Libra.chat, however you want to pronounce it. Thanks to Ben Cotton, the Fedora program manager, for this news in his Friday's Fedora Facts. You can find those at communityblog.fedoraproject.org. Thanks to Wim Tamens and Alexandra Fedorova for coming on this episode. Our music is made by Tricknology, and our website is at podcast.fedoraproject.org, where you can find show notes and all of the other things. I'm your host, Grayson, and you're listening to the Fedora Podcast, a proud member of the Destination Linux Network. I'll see you in two weeks. <laughs>